Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Everyone, we are back for another My Millennial Story, this time with Leanne Tang. I'm so excited to jump into a bit of her journey you know, she was born in Malaysia, moved to Australia when she was 16 and grew up with a sort of certain mindset around money, which I am more than looking forward to hearing about how she's worked through that, navigated that and how she feels about money on the other side of it. Thank you, Sarah. And if you are new to Sarah's voice, Sarah hosts our My Millennial Story episodes, but we can't do these episodes on Thursdays without Global X. GlobalX brings the world of innovation to investors with Beyond Ordinary Tech ETFs. From AI to robotics, GlobalX's range of exchange-traded funds allows you to capture the companies shaping the future. Explore the possibilities at globalxetfs.com.au. AFSL 466778. Investing involves risks and returns are not guaranteed. Refer to the relevant PDS and TMD. Thank you, GlobalX, and thank you to Sarah and Leanne for this chat today. I'll hand it back to Sarah. So Leanne, thank you so much for being here. How are you going? Good. Very fast. Steak is here. Good. Yay. I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, so I think maybe a good place to start would be tell us a little bit about yourself um, now and sort of where your money journey began. Where am I now? I work in the financial space. Um, I'm currently looking for a bank and I've always done so. This is only my second role in my career journey. My money's story, I guess, I'm very fortunate to be in a position where my parents, I never saw them struggle and they were always talking about money, but in a very advanced way, you would say, they will be talking about bonds, like, have you done this? Have you done that? They put investments in there. I'm like, mm, okay, cool. That sounds very wow. extra to me. I thought you just put money into the bank and it's safe and it's done. But I think a lot of Asian migrants would be able to relate to this is where there's very much a scarcity mindset. So when I earned my first salary, which was from Nando's, I had um, a part-time job there while at school, they said to save money and then spend 10%, which was, I guess, very little in a way. But it was just very, um, save everything, don't spend money. And I think from then, I had a very a guilty mindset when it came to spending money. Even today, when I spend more than $100, it will be like, oh, should I have done that? And the most recent one, I went to Levi's and I bought a pair of jeans. And this pair of jeans fits so well. It made me so happy. But when I bought it, I was just like, oh, it was $80. Should I spend that money? I could have gone into a BDHG or an IBD <laughs> or a superannuation fund. So it's just very, um, oh, I should have done that. And it took me a while and my partner to say, you look good in those jeans. And how often do you get a pair of jeans that fit you that well? So I think it's okay to spend $80 on a pair of jeans. 
Mm. And we all know how hard it is to find a good fitting pair of jeans, right? So it's yeah. always worth it to spend the money. And it was half price too. So it was like oh. double the deal. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but it's so hard to get out of that mindset, you know, when especially when you've been raised to, to see money in a certain way. And I mean, you mentioned that you were told to save money, spend 10%. That is such a small percentage. And when you're used to like only seeing such a small percentage of your income be the thing that you can feel kind of free to use, no wonder that a half price uh, pair of perfect fitting jeans is going to make you second guess your purchases. Yeah, I think I've never really changed my expenses limit. Like when I was in high school and earning like part-time role, I think I paid maybe 300 a week for the entire month would be what? $1,200. And ever since then, I always thought it was only okay to spend $1,000 a month. And I am probably 10 years fast forward that, earning a corporate job salary. I'm like, oh, $1,000 is fine. So, yeah. yes. When I moved in with my, my partner, we wrecked this place. And seeing that expense triple was very uncomfortable for me. And that's including groceries, rent, electricity. Um, just daily bits and bobs and stuff. Mm, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, how have you navigated that scarcity scarcity mindset, as you called it? Because it's something, I think when we grow up with certain beliefs about money, no matter how much we work on it ourselves, we sort of always can have that voice in the back of our heads telling us what is right and what is wrong as defined by how we grew up. So with, with that, how have you began to navigate that and start to feel less guilty about what you spend your money on? I think seeking help, professional help, is really important. Um, I've been in therapy for a year now, since May 2022. I also listen to uh, Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You To Be Rich podcast, where he has a guilt-free spending section. And I think that's really, it's still difficult because his saying is like 20 to 30 percent or some percentage but I'm still not quite over that hundred dollar mark of guilt-free spending yet that's ongoing progress thing under now like being present and like I really do need pair of jeans right now because I've got two pairs of other pants yeah and so I guess for you is it more now weighing up a pros and a cons and actually looking at is it a need versus how much money is it? Like it's kind of looking at what the value of that item is in your life instead of looking at what the the dollar value of that item is. Yes, and also taking in the feeling. I think I've also gotten more emotionally in touch with myself and like what actually truly makes me happy rather than focusing on the financial and the numbers of things because that's the way I was brought up. Because um, if anyone has watched the Jimmy or Yang um, comedy special, like, the mom would always ask you, guess how much? Like, you want to quote the highest amount because she got a deal for such a low price. And that's the way it is. Did your parents ever talk to you growing up about why they thought saving was really important to them? Or was it only just about saving is important, full stop, there doesn't need to be a reason? Oh, yeah. My mom would always tell me, well, if you had, don't have a degree, you wouldn't have a job. If you don't have a job, you'll be homeless. And like, it spiraled really quick. Like, I don't see how that would ever happen in Australia in 2023. Because she was always the view that if you are secure in your job, you would do well. You would 
be successful in life. And that's how she defined success. It was very financial. And I could see that. Like, it was, it was a good upbringing. But having an unhealthy mindset about money was, um, was just collateral damage. Collateral damage. Well, because think of how much you spend now compared to how much you would have spent when you had your part-time job. Like back in the day, I still feel the guilt. And that's just really strong. And I would, and that standard has also been put on my partner because I don't want him to spend crazy amount of money on useless things. So it's putting the standard on someone else too and making sure that he invests 20% and puts stuff in the situation and all that. Is your partner a spender or a saver? He's definitely a Glenn James spender. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been good to see him like automate his finances a little. Like he'll put money into Superhero to invest in BTS and then have money left over to save and actually think about his purchases. Whereas I'm the complete opposite. I save everything and then I'll just like, oh, I'll spend here. Uh, it takes me a long time to spend money, even though when I actually need yeah, it. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. How did you, did you find that the dynamic, I suppose, of how you dealt with your finances changed when you got into this relationship? Because you're introducing a whole new set of money beliefs, right? I don't think I actually thought about because I knew in a partner I wanted maybe something more opposite, someone more going with the flow and not such a control freak. And he was exactly that. He did not seem to have control. And he lives in the moment. It was a good um, mm. dynamic too. Did that help you at all overcome that guilt? Yeah, for sure. I think the ways you live, like, yeah, you only live once. You can buy this little thing that could make you happy for maybe three, four months or even longer. So why not live? I think he called it living money. Like you're living right now. And that's the cost of living. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love that so much. Did he ever feel like, I mean, I guess he's been inspired by you as well, right? That you are a saver and he probably now sees the value and making sure that he's putting money aside for this. But he also helps you see the value that... You only live once. You've got this finite amount of time and finite amount of money. So find out what you value and get spending. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we are preparing for a little puppy in a few weeks. Ah. Uh, so what, what kind of puppy are you getting? It's an English toy carrier. Oh, cute. I love that. And so now I suppose you have mentioned this concept of earning real money and that's when you started to relax on things um, in your life and start to spend more and get puppies and enjoy some of those things in your life. Like, wh- had you always defined your career and maybe do you still define your career by how much money you earn? You yeah, asked a very good question. I wish deeper in the sort your money out book. Um, Glenn. <laughs> Glenn, listen up. We've got to add some questions in there. <laughs> I know. Um, I think from a young age, I definitely want to be a people leader. Um, I don't define my role by the money I earn from that position, but rather the recognition and the level where I'm at. Mm. 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 Okay, that's really interesting. So then your childhood beliefs around money, or I guess the beliefs that uh, were instilled into you in your upbringing, 
didn't 100% translate into your career because that sounds like you had more of a purpose surrounding people than you did around your finances? I think it was just probably through learning about what kind of person I am through the um, MBTIs and my Briggs type personality terms. Yeah. And like, oh, I'm an ENTJ. I'm bossy. <laughs> and I like doing that. Um, my, my team jokes that they call me the captain because we do a similar thing, personality <laughs> test. And mine came up as the captain. And I was on the far right where I was driving thing. So I could definitely see like, if I were to become a leader, I would like to be compensated for it. But that is not the main priority. I would like to lead people and bring some good influence into the company that I work for. Mm, I love that so much. I love the Myers-Briggs personality test. I think I've forced every single person in my life, every family member, every friend to do that personality test because it, for me, I felt it was quite accurate. And it sounds like for you, it gave you a really good idea of kind of where your strengths and weaknesses lied. Do you find that that helped work out kind of what you wanted out of your life as well? Just knowing more about, or I suppose having an awareness of who you are? I think it's knowing what I want in life, but also what I don't want in myself. I was speaking to my psychologist about this and he said that I've got unrelenting standards and that I shouldn't put everyone on that same standard. Because I was saying to him, like, if my standards are here and people's standards were also here, like, that would be great. That will be the perfect world because everyone will be on the same page, everyone has the same logic. And he said, that's the most ERTJ thing you could say is to make sure that everyone is on the same standard. Yeah, I think that's a really profound point you've touched on there, knowing what you don't want in yourself and working from there. Like what are some of those things that you you don't want in yourself? I definitely don't want to work in a job where I need the money. Um, Definitely having different streams of income and actually enjoying my job. I am currently building a property and it just completed. It's going through its inspection stage next week. So I'm just trying to build a life where I'm in control and I don't rely on anyone else for monetary needs or emotional needs. I think my mom really is instilled being independent and depending on yourself for things. Mm. And I suppose that sounds like where a lot of these unrelenting standards <laughs> came from for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really strive to be the best version I can. I think that was one um, saying where you want to be 1% more every day and that compounds. Absolutely. And that's a great lesson for life and for money. It's like consistency of habits is so important where just taking one step every day towards your goal is is a much more sustainable way to achieve things as opposed to going all in one day and all out the next. But as you've pointed out so accurately, you have to understand what you're actually, like where you're going, what your direction is. And your direction is so curated by what you want and what you value, which it sounds like that's something you've had to work on to get to this point. Yes, it's definitely a work in progress because I'm still learning a lot about myself and especially I'm just going to reread the Sort Your Money Out book and Sort Your Career Out book because there's just so many points in it. After reading the book, I felt like I have so many questions in my life. Like, do I want to stay in this company? Do I want to be in this career? Um, maybe having a quarter-length crisis. 
Yeah, there's so many questions to ask yourself. I'm in the middle of reading the Sort Your Career book out at the moment and I find the activities to be so helpful just to ask yourself those questions that you wouldn't typically think of and consistently, as you had said, working on yourself or your finances or whatever one step every day is so important. Like how do you now continue to work on your personal development and your personal growth? You talked about professional help. Are there any other tips you would give to the listeners to continue to work on that? I don't have uh, much advice, but I do use a um, Kanban or a Notion board where I list out what I have to strive for each day and just getting things done and being consistent. Like going to the gym, you don't go once a week for four hours and say that's done. You go in for maybe 30 minutes every day and having really good habits. Um, Atomic Habits, the book, I've read probably four times now. Couple, wow, really? I have. And I do make it a annual thing to read Atomic Habits at the start of the year and the start of of not giving an F that is read every year in December area to the get start on the year. Because I know that I have a very strong tendency to compare myself to everyone else, even though they are probably 10 years into their career. I'm like, why am I not saying yet? Why don't I have, I have this? And it's very important to feel grateful where you are right now, being present and not take things for granted. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And those are two great books you've mentioned. I've read both of those and I love them so much. And not taking things for granted and not comparing yourself is such an important skill, I guess, to learn. Like it's, it's so hard to not do that, but that's why having a clear idea of what you want is so important because then you look at everyone's trip in Greece or everyone buying a home when you're not or everyone investing this much when you're not and you think, well, maybe that's not in my plans right now or maybe I'm working towards that and it's okay that I'm at this stage because I have this goal or this purpose to what I'm, what I'm doing. And also people post highlight reels on their Instagram and LinkedIn. Like you never know what they're going through in their personal lives behind closed doors They could be arguing every single day and you do not know that because they're so happy on Instagram. Look, we're on holiday. Look, we just found a new house. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to curate your social media feed to be uh, something that makes you feel positive. Absolutely. I'm curious to hear, Leanne, like how, you know, you've obviously learned so much about yourself, you know, so much about how you uh, view money now. Like how do you manage your money do you have like quite a strict budgeting system that you use um are you more relaxed these days like what's kind of your financial routine it's going to be really hard to admit because this is like the epitome of control three so back in june i'll say from june to when i was 16 maybe i would track every single cent every single expense of the month put that in a sales spreadsheet have like a percentage chart and have it compared to previous years and say how I've progressed. <laughs> I've recently transitioned wow. into a more quarterly basis where I would see my net worth based on like cash investments and the property and just having a three-month look and not tracking every single cent. It would irk me when I have like an expense and like they had a refund or whatever shit and I'm like, oh. This is just accounting, like really admin-y work that I had to do. So I had a date. I had what I spent it on, how much it was, why was it so high. I had a comment section. 
So I'm definitely very pedantic with my budget, but today I've been more, I don't want to say relaxed, because I'm definitely not relaxed about it. Let's do stress about little expenses or eating out too much or spending too much on drinks at a restaurant. But I definitely don't track every single line anymore. Did you create that spreadsheet yourself? Was it a custom Leanne spreadsheet special? It was definitely a custom Leanne because I had dividends on one tab and then I had my pink sales, which was like all the not necessary expenses. And then a pivot table. It's incredible. <laughs> it was a, a lot for what it was. That's incredible. It's so funny how different we all are, aren't we? Like some of us will just do the old income and expenses and a column on a piece of paper and that's good enough and the rest of us are putting in comments sections next to our expenses and trying to work out why we spent that much on this and how that came to be. (laughs) I think for every year I had a comment section for every quarter like why was it so high? Like explain yourself but it was just really me. (laughs) Accountability. (laughs) Exactly, but like just things that you cannot account for, like moving out of home, you have moving charges, you have people that you got to hire to do all these things. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be paying that. Like, that's just a lot of money. I'm like, hmm. Well, I think it's important to have a system that works for you. Do you think that that system is the best for you or does it tend to cause stress as well? That system definitely caused stress because I had to do it every single month. Um, screenshot my investments, how much are they at now market value, what the cost value was. And it was very unsustainable, I would say. But seeing that I've done it for 10 years makes it somewhat sustainable. But I just don't see, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. Yeah. Was it something that you you did at one stage really want to do and now because, you know, your values have changed, you don't want to do it anymore? Or do you feel like you had always forced yourself to kind of do it because of these standards you've set for yourself? I've always forced myself to do it because I want to know where my spending is at and I I wanted to feel a sense of control as to where my money was going. And I think I spoke on this in my first date with my current partner. I'm like, so how do you track your senses? Like, what, what do you do? Do you invest? I'm like, I was very full on and made it very sure that I wanted my partners to have the same value as I do. But then he was like, I don't track it every single month. Like, why? And so does your partner, is this now the spreadsheet that you do now? Is this a shared spreadsheet and you do your finance together or this is just for you personally? It's just for me personally. I definitely don't want to put the burden on him. We do have finally a joint account now where we spend our money and not just my and his money. Yeah, well, I can imagine that would have been quite hard combining finances, right? Because you value the sense of control and you you want to have that over your finances. And so bringing someone else's finances into that can be quite difficult. Yeah, and definitely like just not having control and everything and having a say in everything because we were both to the supermarket and he would buy something that I don't value. And I'll just be like, why did you buy that? Like, that's ridiculous. Put it back. And I could see how that is exactly how I was raised with my mom because she was saying, why do you need that? And that's just not very healthy in a relationship. Mm. And it sounds like even though that might be your first thought, it's not actually what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Just definitely filtering those thoughts and then say that it's okay. 
It's just why I feel this. Why are you complaining about butter or like blueberries? Wow. It's a pretty profound place to get to in your life though, Leanne. Like I think you should give yourself a lot of credit for that because to be able to recognize a thought pattern, you know, you have as a result of childhood or whatever, to be aware of that, but then to also give yourself the compassion when you think like that to say, actually, it's okay. Like I was raised like this. That's fine. It's okay that I I think that way. But then to consciously, after giving yourself that compassion and that validation to change your action, that's where the real growth tends to happen because you can actually feel empowered in that and not trapped by the way that you think. 100%. And I have no one else to credit, but the psychologist who I've been seeing for the past year. Because he asked him, he gives space during the session for like silence and actually bored time. Um, he asked him questions. So why do you think that is? And like reflect that and then take 10 steps back. How did that like became a thing? Mm. I always wonder, like, do you think seeing a psychologist has made you generally a more reflective person? Like, do you tend to ask yourself questions more now as a result of seeing a psychologist? I'm definitely less passive aggressive and less aggressive in general because my first point of thought would be to attack, like be defensive, be on the attack all the time and not really think about what the other person might be dealing with, might have in their lives. So it's definitely yeah. very worth seeing a psychologist. Yeah, removing that defensiveness and increasing that empathy uh, can be quite freeing, I think, in a lot of ways for you and for other people around you. And it's just being kind and having like humanly connections with people, like not everything that is about the dollar figures. Yeah, yeah. You touched on another important point, which I think is control versus empowerment when it comes to money. Because, you know, there's a common misconception that people talk about when it comes to budgeting. I don't want to budget because it makes me feel trapped. I don't want to budget because they're restrictive or budgets are restricting and I feel like I can't spend my money on anything. But I think having some element of control is actually where the freedom lies because you're giving yourself an allocated conscious amount of money and deciding, okay, this can be spent on whatever you want and that's where the freedom piece is versus telling yourself you can only do this with every single dollar and then you feel trapped by your finances. And so I think like it's quite clear that you value having control over your money, which is such an important aspect because we all need to, in order to feel like, have that buy-in with our financial situation, we all need to feel that control. But we don't want to feel held back and restricted by that control. We want to feel empowered by that. Um, And I think it's an important distinction to make. Yeah, I'm curious about how you do it because I believe you were an accountant as well, like in a previous life, and my parents were both accountants. So are you as restrictive with your money? That's a hilarious question. <laughs> and yes, I I was I was an accountant in a previous life. I studied accounting and then I worked in a corporate financial services firm. And the funny thing is, is that no, I'm not a huge strict saver. And that's because I grew up with two parents who were quite big spenders and they, and to this day, they're still big spenders. And so I always had quite a frivolous mindset with money. In fact, it was usually me telling my parents, you need to save, you need to put money aside and all of that kind of thing. And so now it's sort of changed into this 
trying to find a nice healthy balance of that control where I'm still giving myself freedom, but I am still very much aware of where all of my dollars are, are going because that way when I'm spending money, like I like getting my nails done every four weeks or I like going out to dinner, I know that that's happening and I can spend that money without sitting there hating the experience because there's no guilt associated. There's just that freeing feeling. I should do that. The good spot. <laughs> good memory on the accounting side of things though. Yeah, that's very much a past life of mine. Yeah, I always thought that accountants were very good with their money. Like that was the thing that I had. A myth, I guess, because not all accountants are good with their own personal money, but they might be good with corporate money. Exactly. Yeah, that is definitely something you see is that I think that's a common misconception. Yeah, that all accountants are really good with with money, but it doesn't have to be their money. And, you know, you're learning things about dealing with the finances of a company usually, not necessarily an individual. So, yeah, that's that's always quite interesting. All right, we're going to stop here for a quick ad break and we'll be back in a second. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Leanne, I'm keen to know now in the place that you are with your journey, do you talk to your friends and family about money now? Are you quite open about having those money conversations? I definitely am very lucky to have a group of people that I talk to and they are open with their finances. My best friend and I talk about money almost all the time. And it's not like in a, oh, what do you earn and what do I earn type competition, but rather like where it's going is that, is that living your values? My best friend is currently taking up her pilot's license. I'm not sure what it's called. It's a recreational license for flying, a one-passenger plane. And I guess awesome. it's very good. Um, it's a great hobby to have and it's not cheap to have lessons in the air, flying up and down, and doing all sorts of things and having instructor next to you. But I see how much happiness and how much like just lightness that it gives her. And I am inspired to do the same about my life and spend money on things that I love. And I'm definitely like 
in the zone with money because I look at a bank. Um, I listen to My Little Money probably four times a week. There's the career podcast, the one with Dev Raga, um, the property one, which inspired me to do my own investment portfolio thing. But I love the way that I can speak about money to all my friends without feeling a sense of judgment. That's so important, isn't it? Like to have that common theme of curiosity about why they do that and mm. is that something you can implement into your life or does it not make sense because that's not what you value um, and less about that competition, as you were saying? Yes, and I was going through a phase in my life where I was watching Caleb Hammer on YouTube. I'm not sure if anyone was familiar with that, but he would go and roast people about their spending and like credit card debt and 22%, that's ridiculous. And I can see that when I'm looking through credit assessments within the bank, like people, the way people spend money is just really crazy sometimes. Like Wallet Wizard, um, those payday type loans, I'm just questioning why people even take them because those are just really predatory behaviors, the way these companies work. And I feel for people who are doing and taking up these loans. Mm, and that's another reason why it's so important to open those discussions about money, isn't it? So that people can feel in those situations that that you can talk to someone. And I think with the taboo being around money, it's so prevalent that people feel shameful to discuss things like that and the way that they deal with money because it feels like there's this right and wrong, this black and white answer. But the thing is, everyone's personal situation is so unique and there's so many different ways that you can manage your money. And it's it's all about, as you've pointed out um, many times in this episode, what is important to you and what you value. Yeah, for sure. Um, people just need to take small steps and then that leads to bigger things. I think when I listen to podcast episodes with Ramit Sadie or anyone else, it's not only not knowing where to start and rather than being overwhelmed and like taking the information and doing the first step, which is maybe cancel that credit card or save an extra ten dollars every week. People just don't want to do that because they feel scared. Yeah, and it's overcoming that fear. Was that a fear that you had when you started to try and remove that guilt from spending? Like say buying the pair of jeans. Like <laughs> how did you feel buying those pair of jeans? That thing wasn't what I wanted in my head because when I was paying the cashier, I was thinking, you have return policy, right? Like there's a return exchange program. <laughs> like we can just do it. <laughs> but it's just getting over it. Psychologist recommended a book by Mark Epstein. Advice not given and getting over yourself. Reading books definitely helped me as well. Uh, listening to different mindsets. And not everything's about you. Shared perspectives are so important, right? Like actually getting that that view that the world is huge and beyond us there's so many other um, experiences that either we have had or we haven't had and that we can learn from as well. Absolutely. And so what are the conversations with your parents like now? Like have they changed at all? I think they were very, well, I know that my, my mom wasn't the biggest fan of me buying a land and build property type situation. She was like, why are you doing that? That's just really risky and like all these negative thoughts. But I actually got a bias agent to do that for me. And I think seeking professional help, like with anything, 
because they have done this day in, day out for probably 20 years. And I trust her. And you know what? If she says this is a good place to buy and there is growth in this area, why am I not listening to a professional and relying on myself to go on realizer.com or domain to look for a property? It's, I guess not very logical. Mm. And so I suppose now you have a much clearer version as well of what you're actually wanting. And so those conversations become a little bit more productive where you come into it with that reasoning or that that purpose to what you're doing. I definitely think that moving out helps because I'm no longer in their space and hearing their conversations. And I think my mom actually sees that living is important too. She has a whole bucket list of where to go. She's going to Austria and Germany in a couple of weeks. She just came out from Italy in May and she's planning like, I don't know, 20 more trips around the world. And that's really good for her because she's living her life now because she used to go to work at 7 a.m. Back home at 12, she never saw her. And I could see that it was for the benefit of the three of us, the, the three children and it's really important to see like perspectives. Like she wasn't doing that because she didn't want to see us. She was doing that to provide a future for us. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like she's had to go on her own journey with that as well to now get to a point where she can do this traveling and probably feel good about it. Yeah, I definitely like seeing her being more frivolous with her money. Yeah, absolutely. I, when you're used to that environment as well, like it's it's nice to see those changes. And I guess it kind of validates your own feelings in a way as well. Like, okay, it is okay the things that I've learned moving out of home and knowing that spending is is okay when, you know, it's for things that matter to me. Yes, absolutely. And so looking ahead into your financial future, you know, if we had a crystal ball, it would be great to be able to see what, what's coming up. But like, what are your goals? What are, your, are you moving towards? Getting a puppy, built a house, um, you know, those are obviously two massive changes. Is there anything in amongst that or anything else? With the financial planner, he said that it would be my goals are definitely feasible, which is having two other properties within the next 20 years. It's definitely something that could be achieved. Um, I'm still kind of dabbling in the whole, should I get my master's degree? Should I do a postgraduate thing? And definitely know that in, in this field, it's definitely more important to get experiences rather than a piece of paper. But I would also like to have those skills to have that experience. So I've been speaking to my mentor, which is recommending a Juris Doctor. Um, I believe it's a four-year degree with Monash, and it's very much legal studies. And um, other than that, I don't try to have goals anymore. Like I feel like they're very limiting because it just means that, well, I have this set in my diary, I have to achieve it, even though my values have changed. So it's just being flexible. Awesome. That's so really cool. It really sounds like that's, that is a reflection of the changes you've made in your life where you don't have these strict goals and standards maybe in some ways anymore. And also that your goal that you just spoke about isn't about getting this thing. It's about continuing to learn and grow within your career and within yourself. I think if you've asked me like probably five years ago, oh, I want to be a CEO. I want to have 10 properties. I want to have this. I want to have that. But there are so many things that are just not within your control. Like COVID happened and my bill took a lot longer than it should. 
Not to mention the first builder went into bankruptcy. That's another story. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we haven't even touched on that. Yeah. So the first builder went into bankruptcy. The second builder pulled off the contract, and I'm currently on my third builder, which is really relieving to see that they're finally coming to the completion phase, and we can get this all completed and rented out. Mm, that sounds like it would have been quite a stressful experience for you. So I'm sure so nice to have it almost done now. Yes. There were like little things along the way that just, I guess I was very reactive as well. And I wasn't taking a very calm approach or whatever. I just called my wife agent. I'm like, oh my God, am I doing this right thing? And she just like, you know, having patience. And she's an older lady who has a lot more wisdom and experience. So it definitely helps to have people older than you and more establishing a career to mentor you. Mm, to have those with the experience who can kind of guide you through those big change processes because, you know, there's it's hard to not bring emotions into those sorts of things. Like big change, like you said before, talking about getting defensive, like that is a natural reaction to change and um, especially financial stress in our lives. So to have that kind of more balanced soundboard is so important. It definitely is. And so I'm keen to hear, you know, as we sort of come to a close of this episode, you've spoken a lot about how you've changed your values and your mindset over time and often spending can still be quite hard for you. What's something in your life that you can easily spend money on that you value? And even if it's not easily, maybe just like something that you enjoy spending money on that isn't a productive purchase. What is something that you value and that you enjoy spending money on? Does groceries count? Because it's a necessity. <laughs> yes, yes. Do groceries count? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Give me another one. Oh, that's going to be hard. I'm going to be here all day. Um, <laughs> um, I definitely value getting gifts. I think gift giving is like my language. I feel that uncomfortableness when I buy something for myself, like seat yourself. But if I'm buying like flowers for my best friend or buying something for my partner, I feel like okay to do it. Mm, that's a lovely example. That's a really nice example. Yeah, I love and Christmas. I suppose just the ne- <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love Christmas. Like I go overboard for Christmas, not for me, but like wow. people. Yeah, yeah. Wow, isn't that interesting? So that you know, your I guess the scarcity mindset around money has now transformed to where it doesn't so much apply to giving. Just having spending that financial um, financial commitment onto giving gifts to other people. I think I still do feel guilt in some way, like, but it's just not as prevalent anymore because that's the way I show my love for them. And I guess I think I was hearing some other podcasts and they said invest in your best assets, and if your best assets are to people around you, why not invest in them? Like you know, take out for dinner, go for coffee, put in your time for that. Take a day off, even. I think that's a beautiful way to think and a beautiful way to conclude this episode as well. Thank you so much, Liam, for your vulnerability and for sharing your story and perspective here today. I think like a lot of people will be able to resonate with growing up in a place of scarcity, whether that was from expectations or their access to resource or whatever it was, and trying to overcome that into their adult life. And you've definitely put in so much work to be able to do that and to overcome that, which is completely admirable. So appreciate having you on here today.
We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.